Hello and welcome to RGU Talk, the official podcast of Robert Gordon University. I am your host, Johnny Milne, and with me this week is a man whose community work has won awards across the country, been recognised by the royal family, and helped thousands of young people change their tomorrow. I am, of course, talking about the Chief Operating Officer of RGU and the Dennis Law Legacy Trust Street Sport, Mark Williams. Mark, thank you for joining me today. No problem at all, John. It's great to be here. Now, street sport is growing month on month and making real social impact across the northeast of Scotland. Uh, but for those who've not come across it yet, what exactly is the street sport programme? Sure. Well, the programme itself has been around for 10 years, believe it or not. It started way back in 2006, 2007 time. But yes, the last couple of years have been an incredible journey. Um, it's just got bigger and bigger and it can only kind of grow from there. But as for what exactly are we, in a nutshell, we are a prevention, intervention and then diversity initiative activity, uh, which in nice easy words means we provide ac- positive activities for young people in the areas of Aberdeen that need it the most. Uh, and these would normally be due to kind of hotspots of social behaviour, areas of regeneration or deprivation. And what, what, what kinds of activities are usually involved? Uh, what, what is it you take to these areas? Sure, well that, that's the beauty of it. Uh, all of our sessions are very much youth-led, so no, none of them replicate the other. They're all different activities happening at different times. Um, our vans, we, we, so we, we, t- we have our vans full of kit. I mean, the people of RG have probably seen our vans sitting up in the top corner of the car park. They are stuffed to the ceiling full of different sports, because it's tennis, rugby, hockey, basketball, football. So when we go to these areas, the kids have lots of options of what they want to engage with, because football's not for everyone, rugby's not not for everyone. Even kind of, we have chalk boxes of chalk as well, so you know people can do creative activities, drawing, designing stuff on the pavements, and the rain washes away for a blank canvas next week. So yep, yeah, uh, these kids have lots of options to engage with, and that's how we work with them. Perfect. And uh, how is it the program came about in the first place? It, it's a good little story actually. So. Back in the day, <laughs> uh, Police Scotland were having some issues with some willful fire raising in a certain area of Aberdeen. So what they wanted to do was kind of create some posters that they could put up in the schools to deter these kids from setting fire to things. So they approached the Grey School of Art. Um, the Grey School of Art, or RGU in particular, being a little bit more forward-thinking, a bit disrupted. No, you know, let's do something. Why mm-hmm. do it that way? Let's do it this way. And got some heads around the table, and the likes of Filippo and Tony Azzi, Cameron Craddock, um, essentially became founders of Street Support. Thought, let's raise some money, buy a mobile arena, use sport for good, and let's help engage children that way. And it's just taken off from there, really. So rather than putting a poster up on a wall, we have mobile arenas visiting hotspots of willful fire-raising or antisocial behaviour and using sport for good to encourage them to positive and safe environments. And I mentioned that you're the Chief Operating Officer. That's how street sport came about in the first place. How did you get here? How did I get here? That's that's, that's a very <laughs> good question. I've had a I've had a winding journey kind of the sport industry. I'm not going to lie. Um, so I mean, I I used to work in America, and that's where I, mean, I played sport myself. I played rug, a lot of rugby, played football, and blah blah blah. Normal kind of upbringing. Love sport, so always wanted to work in sport. Um, I went over to America and worked at a sports camp, uh, just as a normal coach. Then. Kind of next year became a director of soccer over there. Uh, loved it over there and kind of progressed through the ranks over there and ended up being the director of a residential sports camp over there. And I did that for six years. So I'm well aware of what sport can provide in an upbringing for a young person. Um, it, it, it can only be good. Came back to Scotland 
and I started work at RGU. Uh, I was an ad hoc sports sports assistant at the sports centre. Um, since then, again, kind of progressed through there, became full-time, then became a team leader in there, then the duty of the sport. Then also took on the Volunteer for Sport programme, which okay. is a programme dedicated for RGU students to help, you know, whilst they're studying, kind of enhance their CVs and get a little bit more in there. But when they leave, they can, you know, a bit more to talk about in interviews and qualifications. Um, so really developed a volunteer programme through that, which was, I, re- I really enjoyed that. So. I, I knew the power of sport could have for young people. I knew what volunteering and the benefits of it could be. So when the opportunity to work as a street sport co- street sport development officer uh, was a role at the time, uh, I jumped, jumped in that. I thought that's exactly what I want mm. to do uh, long term. Started that, what was that, maybe three and a half years ago. And so, yeah, I was only member staff with four volunteers and, and it's just grown and grown and grown. And we, we currently sit today with 12 members of staff and over a bank of over 100 volunteers. Um, so it really has grown and I've, I've kind of helped it guide it on the way mm-hmm. and yeah I became the chief operating officer for the Denzel Legacy Trust which is the charity that kind of helps run with RG the street sport program and what does a typical day look like uh, being the COO I don't have typical days okay. they are <laughs> good answer I, I honestly I, I look at my calendar the night before what's happening the next day and I'm like oh blimey that's different mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean sure we're, we're a very small charity so and we've got big we've got big ambitions there's a lot we want to be doing so my role is to really right let's set the strategy in place so we're building the strategy i'm communicating with numerous delivery partners sponsors of course you know we are we are a charity we are we need money to exist so a lot of my time is spent up creating funding applications mm-hmm. i do presentations to corporates i'm also dealing with the operational side of it you know we've we've had just over well just yeah just under 16000 participants this year that that's going to be a lot of work mm-hmm. uh, we've jumped from 3000 a year to 16 within three, four years. And so that obviously, you know, there's a lot of work comes with that. The more volunteers as well, looking after them and of course staff as well. You know, they, they all need a bit of guidance every now and again. Our staff are very good there. They are the right people for the right, in the right role. Um, but yeah, most of them students as well themselves as well with part-time jobs. So they've, they've got a lot to juggle as well. So it's making sure their aims, objectives are delivered also. So yeah, every day is different, uh, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Well, that's the, that's the, way, the way to be, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, now you're volunteers. Yeah. Um, how does someone, we know your journey to get to street sport now, but how does someone become a volunteer for street sport and get involved? Really, really easy. I mean, it is really a phone call, email away. Um, we are, we're very open. Uh, we have positions in street sport for everyone. You know, our, we don't like what the way we look at it is we don't have a role and we try to fill that role. We have a person and we try and use that person to the best they can be so that they're in a strong role. Um, everyone's got different strengths. And we want to be able to use them. Um, for, for example, we have volunteers who, sure, we've got sports coaches which are brilliant we also have lots of occupational therapy uh, students as well and they're they're great for the program we have the communication design courses the students in them they're helping us design the website they're helping us design flyers and posters everyone's got a strength and that is where we feel we'll do best if we can put the volunteers in the right position within us they'll have a better time they'll stay longer we'll we'll be a better charity overall and hopefully that'll help us into the future okay and for for yourself and the volunteers that are out on the ground, as yep. it were, um, out with the children and young people. What's it like dealing with people from disadvantaged backgrounds? It's it's rewarding, but it doesn't it doesn't come about its issues sometimes. There's no doubt about that. I mean, our volunteers. You know, I always say you will learn new swear words. You know, we we are working in areas where they're tough. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there's some tough neighbourhoods out there in Aberdeen. Um, a lot of people think Aberdeen, you know, is very oil rich com- uh, oil rich city. You know, they're doing well. There's deprivation in pockets all over the city, uh, just like any other city in the country. Um, so w- there are natural things or problems or issues that occur with that. Uh, we, there are some of the neighbourhoods we work in, there's a lot of different cultures. 
sometimes these cultures clash. Sometimes they will clash our sessions. So our volunteers, you know, have to realize, you know, why we're well. We make, we make sure our volunteers know what they're doing and why they're doing it. And so the, the why is the main thing. You're not just there to have a kicker right or whatever. You know, you're there to help kind of build some, build a platform where these guys can communicate with each other and you know learn to live with each other and develop further together from there. Uh, we have got lots of instances of young people progressing, you know, using Streetsport as a platform, progressing into college. Some, some not university yet, but they're on the pathway for that. But also more or less like a, a positive destination in life. That's where we want them to go, and that's where we see these young kids kind of using Streetsport as a platform too. But yes, it can be hard work sometimes. We will be, you know, our guys will put a lot of work in, maybe for one or two, two of our participants, and it can be frustrating when they're let down sometimes. Mm-hmm. But we don't give up. You know, we will be back there next week to try again. And in, in addition to the participants that run into issues, say, families or other people in the areas? Uh, families, you know, it's normally the siblings. That, that can be an issue sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's still the case when I was young, if I wanted to go out and play, I had to take my younger brother with me. That's still the case nowadays. Um, so, you know, if with sport, you do sometimes get some collisions, some clashes, some heated opinions, uh, and Big Brother does can sometimes step in. <laughs> Family-wise, as in the mothers and parents, only really with our employability side. When they start seeing that their child is developing because of street sport, they're, they're, they're thankful for that. Mm-hmm. And you will get some comfort. Oh, I really appreciate what you're doing for my son, daughter. That's fantastic. Thank you. But a lot of the time, the majority of the time, we don't really see the parents. Uh, these kids are out anyway. They've come up to engage with us because there's nothing else for them to do. Uh, the two biggest barriers to children or youth participating in anything is really cost and travel. Mm-hmm. Everything street sport does is free. Everything we do is in these doorsteps of communities that need it the most. So it tends to be the young people know that and will kind of come to it. Okay. And I mean, in addition to the you know the praise and thanks you get from the parents when you do see them or the participants, you've accepted a number of awards over the past few years. Um, to name a few. National Pride of Sport Awards, uh, Scottish Police Excellence Awards, uh, you're being recognised by the Scottish Football Association, and of course the Queen's Award for Voluntary Service. Obviously you don't do what you do for the accolades, none of yourself or the team of the volunteers do, but is there any particular accolade that you've got that you're particularly proud of? It has been, let's say, we've been recognised with some fantastic awards over the last couple of years. You're right, we don't do it for that. That is not 100% not yeah. why we do it. We've just been recognised for doing the work we're doing, which, which is brilliant. That's a great seal of approval that what we're doing is right. As for choosing one, that, that's quite hard because so they're quite distinct awards. I mean, if you look at the Police for Excellent one, uh, it was the greatest contribution to police excellence, which means we are 10 years on, street sport is still sticking to its roots, providing a service to deter antisocial behaviour. Brilliant. That, that, that totally proves that we're still doing that. The the Queen's Award for Voluntary Service, I mean, that, that's a biggie. That, it's the MBE for voluntary. It doesn't get higher than that. That's just amazing. And that is true recognition to our volunteers. You know, they know what they do, but they know why they're doing it. And you know, they, then they keep coming out week after week to make that difference each time. And for them to be recognised in that way is brilliant for them. And they really deserve it. I'm not going to say, you know, Every volunteer organisation has fantastic volunteers and great volunteers, but to have a group of volunteers that are all like-minded and knowing why they're doing it, knowing exactly the outcomes, you know, putting up, well, I mentioned, you know, verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. They're putting up that week in, week out, yet they're still there delivering because they know long-term that will make a difference. So for them to be recognised by Kensington Palace with the Queen's Award for Voluntary Service is incredible, and that's a biggie. The Pride of Sport one, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> no, no, that, that really came, came out of nowhere. I was driving the van up um, Great North, North Eastside Road, wherever it was, and the phone rang on hands-free, and I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And I came back and looked into it. 
This is a major. This is a national. It's the biggest sport awards after the sports personality of the year. Mm. That's the level this award is at for a small charity. You know, it's only two of us working full time to receive the Pride of Sport award in the whole UK. It, it's opened some incredible doors for us. Um, it's fantastic recognition for again the volunteers, but also the staff and you know the support that all our sponsors and other supporters have helped us with. It, it, yeah, it's a it's a nice nod of the head saying, "Well done for mm-hmm. what you're doing. Please keep it up." <laughs> and I'm so. sure, absolutely sure, you will. Yes. Um, now, RGU hit the headlines across the whole of the UK back in September to 2016. It's about to be 2006. That's far <laughs> too long ago. Uh, when Prince Harry visited the university yep. to learn about street sport and to quite memorably take part in the activities with the youngsters, with selfies and dabs galore. <laughs> um, what was it like to be at the centre of that mania on that day? That that day, I mean, the build up to that day was <laughs> surreal in its own because very hush hush, lots of secrets. <laughs> and well, I mean, when we first found out, um, basically, well, I, had, I had a phone call saying, "Oh, there's a, a member of the royal family would like to come up and visit the street speech board. Uh, we can't tell you on the phone who it is. Um, can we come up to have a chat about it?" I'm like, uh, "Sure, of course." <laughs> you know, I mean, brilliant. And I, was, uh, and I knew who it was. It was phoning me. I was, so I was trying to work out which role it was. I was like, Zara, I think it's Zara. <laughs> I had it narrowed it in my head. I had it was her, um, but they came up to meet with us. Uh, sat across. Said, oh yes, it's um, Harry, Prince Harry. I'm going and inside. I'm going. Oh my god, <laughs> you know, for for the world of sport and working with young people, any royal to visit and any kind of charitable work that does it, it's Prince Harry. You know, this is what he strongly believes in. So to have him come to RGU, especially on campus, is a massive thing. It's his first ever official visit to Aberdeen. And to have him come to RGU and hear more about the street sport program, it was massive. Uh, th- there is a wee funny story to it. Um, the day he arrived, uh, we came, he came downstairs, was escorted in by the, the principal. And the first thing he did was point at myself and go, it's Mark, isn't it? Um, because randomly, I actually used to work for his dad ten years ago. Really? And I, I hadn't, had, I'd, and I knew both. I know both Harry and William, not in a, like a friendly way, but I used to work there, so we, we recognise each other. He goes, "It's Mark, isn't it?" I thought I recognised your head, and I'm going, "Hang on, what's wrong with my head here?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> immediately self-conscious. Yeah, I mean, Harry's about thirty years old. I mean, last time I saw him, was when he was, they were both fifteen, sixteen, right about that age. So, for him to even remember, you know, the face was quite surreal. But I remember. The suddenly the looks from the principal, my line manager, Phil, everyone else in the room is looking at me and going, uh oh. <laughs> and that, that was great. So that was an instant icebreaker. Um, we talked about the programme and then we went outside. And we only we only had an hour with, with her, you know, it's a very tight schedule, he's got a lot to do the days visiting a few things that day. Um, but one of the first things it's okay, Mark, I'll stay as long as you want, you know, just yeah, use and abuse, go for it. <laughs> I was like, Okay then. <laughs> so he ended up staying, you know, it's supposed to be just for a very tight hour. He said end up staying for nearly two hours in total. He took time to meet the volunteers, to hear the programme, to speak to the kids, to speak with some of the staff from the university. You know, a real honest gentleman very nice guy and <laughs> thanks to his dab uh, we street sport were was it trending at number six in the world on twitter absolutely that's on his own is an incredible profile raising yes. <laughs> i'm not going to tell you how many of our followers shot up that day <laughs> but yeah you, can, you can't buy you know profile raising like that mm-hmm. uh, and he, he's still interested in the program we've had some communication back and forth over the last year uh, and and that's great you know it doesn't just come to these things look around and then disappear he, he believes in what he does and he does it chooses where he goes for a reason and that's to have, bring him to rgu and to hear about the trust and the street sport in particular it was was an amazing day so that was obviously clearly a highlight. What's next for Mark Williams and for street sport? What's next for us? So I mean, we mentioned the Queen's Award and the Pride of Sport Award. 
it's got to be building that. You know, let's use 2000. You know, we had, we've had a tremendous rise in the last couple of years, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I want to use what we have just now as a platform to build. Uh, so we're looking, you know, where, where do we go now? Do we continue growing or do we just settle for what we're doing just now very well? No, we're, we're going to continue to grow and use what we're doing as examples of best practice of how to grow more. So 2018 for us will be really settling down, you know, getting the right people trained up more. So we're looking at investing more into our volunteers. You know, these are the ones that got us where we are. Let's use them as a, you know, to encourage them, just not to, just to help them, but they'll help us as well as a result of that. So use them to build the charity more. Operational-wise, we've got our eye on a couple of new things this year. Uh, obviously, last year, another one of our highlights was we opened Scotland's first ever Cruyff Court, uh, which, if anyone doesn't know what a Cruyff Court is, it's an unbookable, free-to-use astro pitch. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to book it. You just turn up. Uh, if people are using it already, you share. There's floodlights. All you have to do is press a button. The lights come on so they can play into the night. It's the first of its kind in Scotland, and it's very, very unique. And we build a number of programs around that. So what we want to do, it's it's been very popular since it opened last July. Um, so the only natural thing if something's popular is to build another one. So my aim this year is to build another Cruyff Court. Uh, this is one thing I want to do. We've got a lot of staff here at RG working on the project. Um, so, yeah, we want to target another area of the city and hopefully develop the, the second Cruyff Court in, in Scotland would be nice. Um, other things, one another important part of our rise over the last few years has been female participation. So we've gone from, I think the numbers, when I started, 8% of participants were female. Uh, which is it's, that's way too low, mm-hmm. uh, and the majority it was mainly because the majority of the sport that was happening at the sessions was just football. There was other stuff going on, but the majority football was king. That was it. So by opening new avenues to new sports, new opportunities, we've been able to engage a lot more females. Uh, we went up to in 2016 we had 24 percent female participation. Last year 2017 we jumped up to 33 percent, and this has slowly continued to grow as well. Now one of the aims I want to do this year is break 50 percent. I want to be Especially what we do, we work in disadvantaged areas of the cities where traditionally girls find it even harder to participate. If we can break 50% gender split in these areas, that is an incredible stat to have. And it's not just about the stat, but it's an incredible opportunity to provide for these females to use that and get them more into sport. I mean, traditionally, the age of dropout is around about 13 years old uh, for girls. So we really want to put some good, proper programming in place that will support more young females to engage in positive opportunities through sport. So that is one of my, my aims this year, is what I'd like to do. Okay. Uh, I mean, one final question. It's probably quite a big one. Well, hopefully you'll have <laughs> something. In your mind, what's the best thing about the street sport program? Best thing about street sport? Jeez, <laughs> the, the best, number one. Okay. Um, I mean, the main reason why I do my job is to see young people grow and thrive. Um, so the best thing I get is watching a success story. You know, I mean, there's a couple. We have different. We have young people at different stages of threat. But I mean, I'm going to look. I'm going to choose a girl called Rachel. Um, she's no problem being named at this. So I can tell you her story. Um, just now, there's a large mural outside Union Square next to the bus station. It's one of the biggest murals ever done in Aberdeen, and it features two of our volunteers, Rachel and Kylo. Uh, Rachel's story is it's a tough one. Um, so she previously used to get in a lot of trouble with the police. Uh, numerous numerous reasons um, related to a few things, and it all kind of delves down to not having the opportunity to do anything else but I mean she used to break into schools the police were chasing after her she'd be running around school this is at night uh, causing trouble getting into a lot of trouble I mean when her PBG came back um, which is a kind of police check for volunteers it was three pages long that's that, that's a big PBG that you normally get a one page or nothing much on it but she's had a very colourful past but she, she came to Street Sports saying you know what I've had enough <laughs> I don't want to get into trouble anymore so she started coming on to Street Sports used that as a platform 
she signed up for our employability program called Leslie Northfield. Uh, and well, fast forward a year and a half now, she is now in college and uh, doing very well. She's now volunteering not just with street sport but also with Childline. She's even coaching back into our local team in the in the, where in the community she's from. That's a huge turnaround. You know, she's literally how was that junction? She could have left and carried on doing what she's doing, or she could have turned right and you know changed her life around. And she chose that through street sport. And to have young people progressing like that, that's that's the best thing for me about street sport. And that's the kind of thing that street sport can do. That that is it. That's, so, that's why we exist. It's what we want to do going forward. And hopefully, we can encourage a whole conveyor belts of Rachels and Kylos coming through. Well, Mark Williams, thank you so much for joining me today. That's great, I've had fun. And that's it for another episode of RGU Talk. So on behalf of the university, I've been Johnny Milne, and we'll talk to you later.